Hey there, green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Green Organic Garden. It is Saturday, November 14, 2020, and I have the amazing John Moore from the other side of the world. Early morning, I think, there. It's just afternoon here. Um, and so welcome back to the show. John, I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs> Thank you, Jackie. Yes, it's just after 6 o'clock in the morning here on Sunday. Oh, isn't that interesting? Uh, so welcome from the future. (laughs) Cool. Well, I hope the future is looking better than it is here. We were just watching the news and it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Interesting times. I'll say, Mm. well, go ahead and tell listeners a little bit about yourself and like where you live, because I do have a lot of new listeners probably since the last time you Uh, were on. Which was way back in episode 17. Yeah. So, um, yeah. In that time, we've lived in Ireland for a year, and now we're down in uh, sunny Tasmania, the little island off the bottom of Australia, uh, which I might say is down 95 days without a COVID infection. So we're doing all right here. Nice. Well, good for yeah. you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been a bit rough on the mainland, but we've had lots of very strong quarantine and following the science, that sort of thing. Um in that time, we've uh, while we were in Ireland, my other half was doing a chef's course in uh, East Cork on a 100-acre organic farm. So I got to see that up close. Spent a lot of time observing and taking notes. Uh, when we first spoke, we were just starting off with the, the blog at that stage, which was World Organic News. And since then, we've had a podcast start under that name. Well, I recently, in the last month or so, I've renamed that to Change Underground. Uh, not because the content's changed so much as what I was talking about we had more to do with uh, the regenerative process and looking after the soil. So I changed the name to match the content rather than the other way around. Because World Organic News sort of covers a multitude of things, whereas we're right into this... Um, keeping the soil healthy, you know, no dig, as I mentioned way back in 2016, 2015, something like that, when we last spoke. 2015. Something like that. Well, whenever you first started the podcast, it was that first year. It was. And, like, I was putting out a lot of episodes back then, so it was probably, like, the second or third month. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it. And I didn't even know what no-till was. I didn't know what no-dig, I didn't know any of that back then. I was like, wait, what did you say? (laughs) No-till. Don't dig. I was like, don't dig. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) The shock in your voice when I said it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we're on um, one and a half acres here, 1.6. We've got um, a little orchard, ducks and chooks, uh, chickens. And a couple of piggies that are doing the um, pasture renovation for us. So they've got a little bit of a blackberry problem here. So they're digging out the roots of that and eating them. And then we follow it up with uh, crops and whatnot. We're going to have corn and uh, lots of curcubits and amaranth and chia and pumpkins and rock melon. Oh, you call them cantaloupes and cucumbers and peas and broad beans and all that sort of stuff so 
and we've set up a um, an academy to teach people no dig gardening. So that's it's there's been a few changes since I spoke to you, Jackie. Yeah. There's been a lot of changes since I spoke to you. <laughs> Holy cow. Well, yeah. what, tell me about the academy. Like, what's the first thing that you teach? Like, does it have, like, like courses that, I don't, tell us about that. Okay. Uh, well, that'll be starting, I've got it pretty much together. That'll kick off in, I'm going to launch it on Cyber Monday, Black Friday, whatever it's called, that time. And it's a, it's a, basic course on no-dig gardening from the backyard up to small holdings. And you'll know, you'll learn everything you need to know in it. It's not overly complicated, but it's it's all in one place. You know, there's plenty of stuff out there, but it's, it's information I've gleaned since, I don't know, 2005 when I first started doing the no-dig stuff. And it'll be available uh, just through the website. Uh, in fact, if people want to go to the website, there's a free no-dig gardening book there to get them started just on the front page, just so I've got some idea what it's about. And what's the website? Worldorganicnews.com. Oh, so you kept the same website? Excellent. And I've got uh, the Change Underground Academy will be one of the tabs on that page. Uh, we've got that set up. It's just that you, no one can join yet. Okay. And... and so, and each, each, every time you sign up for the course, you get 12 months uh, membership to, to access everything. Oh, so nice. It takes, takes a year to grow a garden, if you know what I mean. It's a 12-month thing. I do. Like, whenever yeah. I, like, come up with a book idea or, like, a course or something, I always feel like it should be 12 months. So now you're probably, like, we're going into winter. Like, I'm looking at snow mm. outside my window, but you're, are you the opposite then going we into? We are indeed. We're moving into late spring at the moment. Bit so dry. What are you growing right now in your garden? Anything? Uh, well, the berries are coming along. We've got a duck sitting on eggs in amongst the raspberries. Aww. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll get to those when we get to those. But they're, they're even there like this year. We had a, a reasonably warm winter for this part of the world. Uh, but it's been dry since because uh, the weather patterns are changing. We're in La Nina at the moment. So the mainland's getting all the rain and we're not getting as much. But uh, so we're just waiting for the next dose of rain to put the corn and everything in. I've picked uh, 70 day varieties for everything I plant out so that it only takes 10 weeks. So that covers summer. And if we get a, a cool spell or a dry spell, things have still got time before the first frost. Not and when's your first frost? May, April, May. So it'd be like October, November where you are. It does take a bit of getting your head around it to, <laughs> to have it flipped, but yeah. No, you know what? I totally, like, this is so off topic, but like, I always think Christmas should be in the summer and like the 4th of July should be in the winter. <laughs> now, you probably don't celebrate the 4th of July, but because I think you should shoot off fireworks in the winter and then the time when family, like, it's just yep. so crazy to me that everybody's getting together for Christmas when it's the hardest time to travel. And so does it work that way when it's backwards? Like, is it easier to have Christmas celebration in summertime? I don't know. You're the ones who are backwards. 
But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we you know we do the usual hot roast dinners and all the rest of it in the middle of summer when it's thirty five, uh, hundred and ten degrees or something. It works. It's just the way it is. Summer is when we have Christmas, and there's a lot of sport and whatnot on. So it's it's that time of the year. I can understand the idea of having fireworks in winter because the fire danger is too high in summer. Oh, it's hard. I'm always terrified yeah. because like, especially we have so many people moving in around and they have like no sense of, you know, They'll fire danger and whatsoever. Yeah. And yeah. Um, it's very scary. And then also like it, where I live, it stays light so late. I can't stay up to watch fireworks anyway. Whereas in the winter, <laughs> it's dark at five o'clock and you could shoot them off right yeah. away but yeah, uh you're, and then you're a way north there aren't you yeah we are we're like right by the canadian border yeah. the other thing that i always think is funny is like jesus was born like in a desert in the middle of like so like he wasn't born in winter it's just like <laughs> like totally like you said like we do have it backwards because but it's just well, like our attitude well we're in the united states where it snows so it should be snowier at least in the north well, as I understand it, those dates were just used to take over the pagan festivals of midwinter and midsummer and whatnot. Oh. And things were adjusted so that people didn't have to make too many changes to their, their the patterns of their lives. But yeah, it is what it is. So you, say. we got on this topic as you were saying that you picked corn that was seventy days, and what other things did you pick that were are seventy days to put in? All of them, uh, the cantaloupes or as we call them, rock melon here, cucumbers and pumpkins. Uh, they're tiny little pumpkins, so like individual servings. Oh, cool. So that you just bake them one at a time. And, of course, anything that's left over, we'll just toss to the pigs. They're, they're great vacuum cleaners. Uh, I've got some amaranth, which is a an Andean grain, and some chia, which is Andean as well, uh, to grow over summer. And the idea is then to do that as a Fukuoka grain garden. So I'll oversow those with barley and spelt in autumn and then harvest them once the barley and spelt started growing. So that you're always sowing the next crop before you harvest the last. So that you never have to plough or worry about weeds because the, the space is already filled with the other stuff. That's something I, I need to work on, making sure that I don't have, like, ground sitting empty waiting for me to yeah, plant yeah, the next thing. Yeah, it's the most dangerous thing in a lot of ways. Well, from a carbon point of view, it just the earth just leaks carbon dioxide when it's not covered. And there's a lot, um, there's a, a lady by the name of Dr. Christine Jones. I'll send you the link, a thing called light farming. I think I just heard her on Jesse Frost's Yes, yes, yeah, 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 she's amazingly interesting. And I remember seeing her on the telly back oh, mid-90s or something here, when people were first starting to no-till no into um, uh, pastures that had died off for winter. It was groundbreaking with <laughs> Sorry about the pun. Yeah, she's been very interesting stuff. And there's a lot of science to back it up. It's it's the way to it's what nature does, and I'm all into biomimicry. You know, the nature's worked out what the, what the processes are long before we came along. 
Yeah. And I think it, I mean, it seems like everybody's talking about how much better things work that way. We even saw it in like the mainstream news this morning. They were talking about soil for um, carbon capture and just diversifying crops and small time farmers helping. I was just amazed. Yeah, well, you know, corn, soya bone, corn, soya bone to death cycle, basically, to the soil. That's what I was going to ask you is like, are you planting those grains because they're kind of like cover crops that you're growing for the soil? Or are you actually like harvesting the amaranth and the barley and like making like bread with it? Or what do you do with well, the we'll grains? Be, we'll be harvesting or do you feed your animals? Yeah, both. So you, you, you take the grains off and then you put all the straw back on over the growing next crop. And it just continues. Fukuoka did it in Japan, you know, the one straw revolution. I think I mentioned last time. You didn't. I bought it and read mm. most of it. Yeah, no, it's amazing. He, he grew soil over 30 years, just doing the, growing the same thing on the same spot, but with clover and running a couple of ducks across it now and then. It's, um, oh, that's me heaters just kicked in. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, so the corn, I'll, I'll, we'll be selling the sweet corn at the front front of the house here because we're on a highway and anything that's left over I'll dry off and sell as seed because we're on a little island our biosecurity is very strong and so I had to bring this stuff in through quarantine anyway so that now that the seed's here in the state I can start selling it within the state oh so, isn't uh, that interesting yeah clean and green it's it's there's no GMOs here we do actually grow, the state grows, I think it's 50% of the world's um, opium poppies, the legal ones. And what Which do people do with that? Like make poppy bread? Or they make like actual that opium goes, that goes For like making morphine? Goes to the pharmaceuticals, yeah. Oh. It's quite a thing to drive through. I was just going to say, I bet it's pretty. It's gorgeous, yeah, yeah. And a lot of pyrethrums growing down here as well. Uh, that's used for insecticides, but it's a natural insecticide, but it's, it's very powerful stuff. That's pyrethrum daisies. And so those paddocks full of those are quite pretty too. But, um, and we've got good soil where we are here. It's uh, a silty clay loam. Uh, five and a half pH at the moment, but we're working on that. And it's really good for potatoes and garlic. Oh, we got garlic in too, by the way. Yeah. That, that'll be ready December, January. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's, and we've been here well, nearly two years, in, well, two years in December. And so we've tried a few different uh, stock types. So we had geese, but they were getting too big and noisy for, for Annie. So we got rid of those, sold them on, and we had some sheep for a little while. But the, really, we don't have the feed. So <clears throat> there was no point hand-feeding them and buying in feed. The idea is to have the place being self-sufficient. So what do you have now for animals? You have ducks and chickens and Two pigs. pigs? Jake and Elwood. <laughs> the Blues Brothers. <laughs> uh and I want to hear about what you learned when you were um, by that, what did you call it? An organic? Um... 100 acre organic farm. Yeah. 
Mm. Well, that's where I saw for the first time in my life a moldboard plough because they're, the, they're antiques here and no one uses them. And the damage they do to soil structures, horrific. But equally, they're very hypnotic to watch the way they slide through the soil. But the thing I noticed was that the soil's always overworked. You know, this was a 100-acre farm. 90% of it was down to grazing. But the other 10%, there were nine, ten tractors running at a time some days. No way. 19 tractors? No, not nine or ten. Oh. But either way. But nine or ten are still, like, why more than one? Yeah, and I was watching... um, watching a garden bed prep and it was ploughed four times and then they had volunteers in to, to weed it all through summer. And I thought, <laughs> you've created the conditions for the weeds and now you've got to deal with the weeds. You know, it's, but it's the way it's always been. You know, I can understand why uh, people are reluctant to change because things work and if you change and they don't work, you go hungry is uh, like the older thinking. And so I can see why people stay with systems that work. But the, the other thing I heard since then is that organic certification tells you what hasn't been done. So they haven't added chemicals or pesticides or GMO. There's no certification that says I'm doing something positive for the earth. Now, don't get me wrong. I think the organic movement was really important. We needed to have a counterpoint to the the industrial green revolution in the 60s and 70s and the knowledge and health of the soil was really, really important and that this knowledge was passed on. But I think it's time now we moved on from just organic to, to something beyond it because I think there's a need now to, to regrow soil. People are losing soil. Every, there's some estimates, mostly pessimistic, obviously, that there's only another 60 harvests left in some parts of Europe and some parts of the Midwest before the topsoil's gone. And that's, that's quite distressing. So anything that can regrow the soil from the top down, I mean, it'll always come up from the, the bedrock, but that'll take a thousand years to make an inch. So anything we can add to the top and use photosynthesis to, to add life to the soil will grow more soil provided we're careful with it and try not to be destructive. It's, I heard a fellow the other day say, um, nature always bats last. So no matter what we think we're doing, natural cycles will come in over the top anyway. So we we need to work with those rather than what we think we know, if that makes sense. Yeah, and don't you think that's a lot of why we're having like all these extreme climate like oh, yeah. events yeah. because nature's batting last and saying, Hey, unfortunately it seems like, you know, people who live in the areas that are getting affected the worst, um, oftentimes are not the people that are creating the biggest problem. But we all can do like or a little bit, just like I need to make sure that like my soil is covered mm. within 24 hours of when I harvest, which is like my, it's definitely not something I have gotten on top of at all. Even if you just cover it with a mulch or straw or something, it doesn't have to be growing things, growing things. About, yes. But- well, that part I'm getting 
a little bit better about partly because i bought like a bale of straw for my chickens uh-huh. and so now i have that straw that i'm like oh well i can use this for mulch over here too and i can use this to cover up my lavender so maybe it'll last through the winter instead of freezing out and, yeah. and different things and like i have a bed that's all ready to plant like i'm so excited like that's one of the one things i did do like i put yeah. down a layer of straw and then a layer of like composted mulch on top of it yep. um right before the snow fell and so i'm hoping that that bed that it's a bed that i actually planted buckwheat in for Ah. a cover crop last summer and then never did plant and so i'm hoping it's going to be like one of the first beds to plant in the spring yeah well it should come up all right because buckwheat's a wonderful thing to use as a cover crop well i am getting better at buckwheat i grew like three or four different crops of buckwheat last summer in different beds so i am getting better at that oh my gosh it is although my buckwheat did not do much for producing flowers last year it really didn't do as much of that but the but other crops that i planted before yeah it is so pretty and the bees just love it Yeah. yeah and somebody gave me like a huge container full she's like i heard you mention buckwheat do you want this and and so that kind of helped make it easy was having this giant container that i could just you know broadcast i really like to broadcast seeds like digging a hole and planting seeds in a line is hard for me it's really hard for me especially like carrots and lettuce that have the tiny like i don't know how many times last summer mike was like you need to thin that lettuce i don't know why you haven't thinned that lettuce you should have thinned the lettuce whereas uh, Just so tell him I, no straight lines in nature. <laughs> but he didn't care about that part. He just wanted the plants to be bigger so I would have yeah. more lettuce. And then what have I been complaining about since like August? Like, I don't have any lettuce. I don't have any lettuce. I need more lettuce. Well, you can't grow much at all through winter, can you? No. No. But we had we had a pretty warm September and October. And, or maybe it was even like the end of July that I was out of lettuce. Like I had plenty of time to put lettuce in and get a crop that I could have eaten and I did not do it. Next year. Yeah. Lettuce is a tough one for me. You know what I really did good with this year was tomatoes. Like I think I am hooked on the tomato. I don't know if it's because we did have like a such a warm September and October. Like this is the first year we've really been able to have the tomatoes get red and ripe on the vine. Like we had a frost September 8th that killed the plants. And I thought the tomatoes were all going to be mushy and just ruined and they didn't. And they, we were harvesting tomatoes all the way through to the middle of October after that that frost. Your soil's in good shape. Oh, yeah. Well, Mike has done a great job with our soils. Like, I think we have, and our pH, like, we actually got a soil test done this year. This um, lady, Christina McGinnis, sent me the easiest soil test ever. It's like, because it comes with, like, the postage paid and everything. And I sent it back to her, and she told me what to do. And I haven't done it yet, but I did just see her email like yesterday the day before and saw what she told me to order on amazon so i'm going to make sure i put that in that's going to help lower my pH because where my blueberries are which want a like 4.5 it's actually 8.3 it was like (laughs) higher than mike's mini farm they're like in the worst so it's no wonder i can't get any blueberries out of them you're, you're the other extreme from us where we're slightly acidic here 
So we've got blueberries in as well. I forgot about those and jostaberries. And I planted a grape as well. We'll go with that and take cuttings off it as it grows. But it's, it's a very strange time to be gardening because the weather patterns and the, the climate is changing. And it's hard to know what we'll do, what will work, because you just don't know what each season's going to be like. So we, we've, the idea I've gone with is diversity and open pollinated seeds so that there's more genetic variation in each of the seeds. So that if some are better at, at different conditions, they'll, they'll thrive and so on. It's, um, it's a time of adaptation, I think, Jackie. Absolutely. Mm. And it seems from what I've read and whatnot that if we hit the soil right, that'll give us a buffer as well as start drawing carbon out of the atmosphere, putting it back where it belongs in the soil. And that could be huge in helping to um, like minimize the effects of climate change is getting more carbon in it's the soil, right? Probably the one thing we can do that will make a huge difference across the planet. It's just, and it, it not only takes carbon out of the atmosphere, it actually improves the soil and improves the quality of the food. It's, it's, it's win, win, win. Unless, of course, you have shares in Monsanto or Bayer or something and you need to sell chemicals to, to make a living. You know, it, we've already got the tools, the plants and the animals co-evolved together. We just need to know how to manage them properly. You know, the, the, the mob grazing like the bison did across the prairie. Hit, it, hit the grass hard, move on quickly. And that allows the pastures to regrow. And there's people working on similar sorts of things, growing crops. So a fellow out of somewhere in the Midwest was growing corn in a clover. And he just cuts an eight centimetre wide strip through the clover and 30, 30 inches apart, something like that. And then he grows the corn, it does well. And then he grazes off the corn stalks. And by the time he's ready to go again, the clover's already covered up the soil and it's pumping nitrogen back into it for him. Wow. It's so like when he harvests the corn, the clover just kind of like... Grows back. Because it's already, it goes a bit dormant between the rows. But as soon as the, the corn stalks are removed, there's enough light gets in and it, it bounces back and covers up where the corn was. It keeps the ground covered. It took about was 14, 16 days, something like that, to cover up the, the eight centimetre gap, which is about like three inches, four inches. Something like that, yeah. So there's, there's work being done. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm. So it would be like corn and or like a row of corn, a row of clover, a row of corn, a row of clover, yep. like that? Like every eight well, centimeters? No, no. So what happens is there's a whole paddock of field of clover. Okay. And on 40 inch or 30 inch centers, he does the eight centimeter strips so that there's still clover growing between the I mean, eight centimeters, is that like, am I wrong? Isn't that like an inch? No, no, no. Two and a half centimeters to the inch. So three and a half inches, four inches. All right. But still not like, it's not like a meter. Like no, just no. a little tiny space. 
and that's what he drills the corn into. And it's far enough, it's wide enough for the corn to get established before the clover smothers it again. And then once it gets up, the clover goes a bit dormant. He harvests the corn cobs and then runs stock through to it, the, the, the stover. And then takes the stock out and the clover's back. It's Right. I see it now. I can visualize yeah. it now. It's a self-perpetuating cycle. That's... And then the bees love the clover too. Yep. Yeah, there's benefits everywhere. Yeah. So there's people doing things. And um, I'm always doing little experiments myself. I don't know if you heard about a thing called a chaos garden. No. What's that? I don't think so. That was another regenerative corn grower. But he had two acres or three acres over. So we just chucked whatever seed he had, everything, every sort of vegetable seed he could find into his seed or he just ploughed it into the two acres. And the idea, this was so that people, this was at the start of uh, the lockdowns and things, so that people could come and pick whatever they wanted as it matured. And so he said different times of the, the month, there'd be different things coming ready. It was radishes and then kale and then corn had come through and then you had pumpkins and uh, other vines and whatnot growing through it. It's And he said it just keeps everything together and he doesn't have to worry about um, changing his cedar or anything and it provides food for people. And it probably keeps the bugs and pests down because that's something I feel like people have mentioned on my show a lot. The more diversity of crops... Um, yep. the less pest pressure you're going to get. Well, I run a horticulture program at work with uh, in, the, in the disability sector. And we put in a corn patch. And I noticed one day there were these little sucking insects on a couple of the leaves. So I just took a photo and took note of it. And then the next day I went out to show my, my clients. And by then the uh, predatory wasps had turned up. And we're dealing with the problem. So it, it wasn't a problem. And that's because we've got lots of different things growing there. And that gives space and habitat for the, the, the beneficials. Things will arrive when they need to is the way I look at it. John, what's something like that didn't work the way you thought it was going to work this this year? Uh, well, that was at work. last year. Um, they... they Plowed, uh, we had, apparently it used to be an orchard and it was knocked down to make way for a garden. Anyway, we planted potatoes and turns out the way they disturbed the soil, there was a fungus in there whose name I can't remember. But the potatoes come up and then this fungus attacks the vascular system and the leaves start dying off from the bottom down. And it took about two months for it to hit. And it, it just, we, we got our seed potatoes back. And they'll move them off to another spot. But it was really disappointing. We were looking at, I don't know, four or 500 kilos. What's that? 1,000 pounds of spuds coming out. And we got our 50 kilos back, our 100, 100 pounds worth of um, seed potatoes. It was disappointing. Yikes. I bet that took up a lot of space too. Yeah, well, I've replaced that space with corn this year. So because the corn's not affected by that uh, fungus and it's got good deep roots so it'll start pulling stuff up and we've mulched it so 
We'll just reply. We'll just overwhelm that fungus with beneficial fungi. In theory, we'll see how we go. We we had the opposite. We got lots of potatoes and no corn this year. Mm. Yeah, well, either way, you you got your carbs. Yes. Before we get to the root of things, we're going to thank our sponsors and affiliate links. Something that I've added to my repertoire of things is laughter yoga. Um, oh, I was always not that. <laughs> Um, so laughter yoga came to me at a time when I was doubting um, staying with the worms because it was so hard. Um, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a very sensitive, empathic person. And, and I feel like I have this important mission of putting worms everywhere and letting people know this is an option. Uh, but people feel um, that they, they have the right to say, things because they're just worms you know like they're worms nobody likes worms okay <laughs> so they could say Kids things love like worms like i said <laughs> them out of that pot in the corner of my classroom <laughs> you know but people have their preconceived notions about worms and so you know one more person said to me ew worms or worms in the house ew gross or and i was just like oh my gosh like it just landed on my heart and i was like oh so I was introduced to laughter yoga and I took laughter yoga on as a daily self-care practice, you know, 10 to 15. So laughter yoga is not yoga. It's laughter ex exercises. So intentional laughing, 10 to 15 minutes of sustained belly laughter is equal to 300 sit-ups, 30 minutes on a rowing machine. I mean, it's just like so much fun just to laugh instead. And so I would like to invite you and your listeners every Tuesday, I do Zoom laughter for free, 30 minutes of Zoom laughter yoga. Um, it's 930 Eastern Standard, so it's a little bit early <laughs> um, in Montana, but you know, come and laugh. And That's it's a perfect for me. Start out my day right. Yeah, come and join us um, if, if, it, if it calls to you. It's, it, laughing just helps us. So it's, it really is the best medicine. Laughter is the best medicine. It's scientifically proven. Oh my gosh, Kathy, you are the perfect person to do that too because you have the best laugh and it's so contagious. <laughs> and tell listeners how to find your website and how to connect you and where can they get the worms and the worm kit and the enjoying the yoga laughter oh okay beautiful so my worm website is kathy's composters.com c-a-t-h-y-s and then composters.com and my laughter page is kathy's club.com um, all of the information is available from my worm website that's my main my main gig i'm on facebook i'm on twitter linkedin youtube i'm everywhere <laughs> Awesome. And I'll make sure I put it in the show notes. So, And now let's get to the root of things. John, do you have like a least favorite activity to do in the garden? Like what, uh, is there anything you have to force yourself to get out there and do? Uh, not really. I actually enjoy being out there. It's, <laughs> I find most of the time you know, I just sit and observe and, and listen, if that makes sense. Not that you can listen to gardens, but Listening is important. Um, that and moving the electric fence for the pigs, I don't like doing that. But uh, they don't seem to mind. They, they, they're happy to move on to fresh ground when I do it. But it's, it's fiddly and it's a pain in the bum. But apart from that, 
there's not much I dislike about what we're doing here. Well, I guess we've sort of picked the systems and uh, the, the the seeds that we like to eat, and that makes it easier to to do the the work. But there's no really drudge jobs. So on the flip side, what's your favorite activity? <laughs> Watching the pigs when they hit new grass, just the way they, they, they frolic <laughs> and their ears flap around and they start digging up new bits of dirt and they tend to go straight for the blackberries, start diving in to get to the, 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 the roots. That and harvesting corn, I love doing that just by hand. It's just, I don't know, there's something special about corn that's always spoken to me without getting too woo-woo about it. But it's it's one of those crops that, I guess because you can see everything that's happening. Whereas with wheat and things like that, the, the, the grains are a lot smaller. But you can see what's happening with the, the corn because of the tassels and then the silks and all the rest of it. It's 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 a wonderful, wonderful thing to, uh, uh, well-grown corn patch is a wonderful thing. I'll say, and oh, homegrown corn is just like, mm. I always talk about Mike when I was sick once and he made yep. me this like corn broth soup. Yep. Oh, so good. Uh, John, what's the best gardening advice you've ever received? What less can I do? <laughs> I like it's, that. It's another Fukuoka statement. Yeah. Letting nature take its course. Yeah, don't what interfere. What less can I do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's limits to that, but, you know, things become overwhelmed if you, you don't keep on top of them. But, yeah, it, it, it's a question that's always there in the back of my mind. Do I have to do this? Is there another way I could get nature to do it for me? Or is there a more efficient way? Because the more efficient the you same. are, yeah. the... Same thing. Um, yeah, then the more produce you're going to get for your work. And there's certainly a lot of work to gardening, no matter how great the joys are. Uh, what's your favorite tool? If you had to move and could only take one tool with you, what could you not live without? Uh, that hasn't changed, Jackie. It's the secateurs. I think you call them clippers. I think so. I remember looking up a picture of it. Yeah. yeah just for trimming and harvesting and cutting toenails, all that sort of stuff, you know. How about your favorite recipe? What do you like to eat or cook from the garden? Oh, other half does a wonderful pork loin with uh, apple and raspberry stuffing. That's, <laughs> that, that's a good one. Uh, otherwise, just boiled sweet corn straight off the cob. You know, you walk down to the cob, walk down to the corn and run back for the hot water. There's nothing quite like fresh, sweet corn that's just come out of your paddock. Oh my gosh, no, there is not. Um, we didn't have any corn this year. I don't think I bought any at the store at all. Mm. How about a favorite internet resource? Where do you find yourself surfing on the web? Jen, you want, this Zoom meeting is going to shut us off. So yeah. I'm going to have to make a new one and I'll, and then I'll just send you a link. Okay? Yeah, no worries. All right. not forget to hit the record button yeah i recorded the last one okay okay oh, we were talking about 
your favorite internet resource. Where do you like to surf on the web? Um, I've been doing a lot of YouTubing. Of oh, really? Just um, uh, regenerative ag or regenerative gardening and, and see where which rabbit holes that take us down. Um, there's no particular site I go to because it's a lot of the information is quite diffuse and spread about the place. Um, so I, I just go where the mind takes me. And, and of course, the algorithm. So hopefully it's not leading me astray. <laughs> right? Isn't it crazy sometimes to think about like how we all think like when you type into Google, you're all getting the same thing, but everybody's getting different yeah. results based on their past history. Yeah. Um, I always think that's interesting. Like when I'm at my mom's house, what comes up? Or even if I look on like Mike's phone compared to my phone. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, we're all individuals, Jackie. And we can all be sold different things. And that's what it all comes down to, probably. <laughs> Not that I'm being cynical. No. I, I mean, you gotta, you know, there's pluses and minuses to everything. Yeah. Like, I'm just oh, so happy like right before the election so many people from my podcast were writing to me and it, it was just really cool to hear from different people and just makes me feel like really honored to be part of this community yeah uh how's that election thing going no. <laughs> sorry <laughs> i totally feel like my neighbors are keeping me held hostage and they are playing russian roulette with my life like and i just have to stay home and try to go out as little as possible and only leave my house first thing in the morning and i'm totally terrified to see what's going on today the, the, the you know, are they having like a big march in eureka like are they all banding together like mm. i can't even stand there they have like this ad for like their rifle club which is like this photo of the automatic weapon and like I don't think they should be posting that in the community Facebook page. But when I reported it, they said, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, why can't, you know, you guys have a hunting rifle and you want to go practice hunting deer. But I do, I feel like it's an affront to me personally that you have a person killing gun um, at your right little rifle meeting, whatever. Yeah. I mean, we hear constant shooting every day here now, like in the last four years. It looks to be a, a relatively red state where you are. Yeah, it was like I made phone calls for Steve Bullock, who was our governor, our Democratic governor, but apparently it absolutely did nothing um, because he was just booted out. They just they just voted straight Republican ballot um, for the whole. Yeah, state. We, we have been keeping an eye on it from here because my other half was born in upstate New York. Yeah, and been here since she was seven so i can still hear the twain but americans can't um yeah so we keep an eye and we've got in-laws over there in cali so it, it's a worry it's a yeah worry. i'm so worried that i'm never gonna see my mom again i just am i was gonna get a ticket to go there in october I did buy a ticket and then I just couldn't get myself to get on the plane. Like I would watch the news and listen to Andrew no, Fauci yeah. say, you know, yeah. don't travel and don't, you know, it's, you know, and Montana was just booming at the time. Like we were finally starting to boom after. And I was like, I, the biggest thing is like, I don't, where would I quarantine? Like my mom's just like, just come quarantine with me. And I'm like, yeah, well, <sighs> you know, it's danger groups. 
Yeah. And then how, what would I do coming back? And so just, I don't know. I didn't go, but now I'm. Well, we've had our state borders shut um, up until recently. And there was a big outbreak in Victoria just across the water from us. So they're, they're still not allowed into the state. But and what, what did you say at the beginning? Like you had 95 days without a case or something? In Tasmania, yeah. In our little state. I mean, they had a big outbreak in Melbourne, which is in the capital of Victoria. Uh, there was a breach of the quarantine system. Uh, apparently some of the private security guards were a bit lax and it got out to the community. Um, but we'd had a, a bit of a cluster here at the start in April, May, because uh, there was a nurse who picked it up in the hospital, uh, the public hospital. She was also working in the private hospital in a couple of nursing homes. So it just spread that way. So we, we had a fairly tight lockdown here for about six weeks. But the one in Melbourne, because it's it's got a population of, I don't know, a couple of million, and they've been shut down for 15 weeks, but they're coming out, and they've had two weeks with no no diagnoses and no deaths. So it's tough, but there's only one way to do it, Jackie, and it's got nothing to do with freedom. It's to do with um, the prudent use of public health ideas, you know? People who have studied this that have degrees in it that yeah. know what they're talking about. And like, it's just so obvious because look at how it just keeps, to me, yeah. the saddest part is the kids who are in school who are losing instruction. Um, yeah. What our number one priority should be getting those kids back to school, that their parents are having a break and their parents are able to go back to work or just even be home if they're working from home or just like to normalize society and and get back to get our economy get these businesses back to normal and it's just like what is the big deal about wearing a mask staying six feet apart instead we're just constantly we've not flattened the curve like we're not asking you to wear a mask forever we're asking you to wear a mask until they come up with this vaccine i mean big deal what if we had to wear masks for four years who cares? All you have to do is wear a mask and it can help reduce the spread and keep our healthcare. I mean, what a slap in the face to healthcare workers that are just, I don't know. So I just, um, it's very easy to get wound up about it. It's, it's the selfishness that I don't understand. Right. Completely, completely. But I think it's just, they're being fed fake media or yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. I actually, to be honest with you, like I can't talk to most of my, I haven't even seen my friends here. Like we don't even get together six feet apart because yeah. I'm like one of very few people that believe in wearing masks in my whole community at yeah. all. And just, um, yeah, I, you were always a bit the odd one out, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, they definitely wear, consider me an East coaster. Wear it as a badge of honor, Jackie. Thank you, John. I do. I'm worried someone's like, one of the reasons I only go out in the morning is because I'm afraid somebody who's had a few too many beverages in the afternoon and is all hot and upset is going to come up to me and like get in my face and like rip my mask off and just be like, ah, screaming at yeah. me. Yeah, over, like those screen. crazy people that like, you know, ran Joe Biden down. Like, yeah, yeah, the, the, the bus. Yeah, I remember. Down in Texas. Yeah, like I just I don't want anything like that to happen. I don't know. I'm kind of wimpy, but 
Uh, anyway, back to the gardening thing. What about a book, John? So is it still the One Straw Revolution that you mentioned? Yeah, that pretty much. Stuff? Yeah. That and John Seymour's complete book of self-sufficiency. I don't know if I know that one. John Seymour's yeah. book of self-sufficiency. Uh, Seymour, I've heard of him. Yeah, M-O-U-R. Yeah. He's, it was one of the first organic in Europe. He publicised the organic movement in Europe. Uh, about the same time as Rodale was doing his stuff in the States. Oh. Without the sort of flim-flammery of Mr. Rodale. And, uh, yeah. It, it's, I mean, in it he talks about double digging, so there's none of that going on. But he has a lot on the, the rotations and the cycles and the, the webs of life through it. And a practical attitude of just watching and listening. You know, I've been hearing a lot of stuff lately about like which crops you rotate to makes a big yeah. difference. Like in what order? Like you don't want to put, I don't know, is it you don't want to put corn after brassica? I don't know. I have to, I have to look into that. But that was. Yeah. Well, uh, even that, I feel I'm like starting. I've heard a lot of people talking about that lately. Even that, I'm starting to question. Because there was that fellow I was telling you about with the corn in the, the clover. We mm -hmm. don't rotate apple trees about. Did the idea of rotation only come about because in the European farming system in the Middle Ages, we had a fallow year to let the soil rest? Maybe we can grow things on the same spot year after year if we've got the soil right. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to test it. But uh, it flies in the face of 10,000 years of agriculture. But, you know, that's how things change. Just give it a whirl. I mean, and rice paddies. Rice grows in the same paddies, you know, year after year. I just wonder why we've got this obsession with rotation. I understand the theory behind it. I just don't know if it's, it's worth... I was going to see if it's worth, if it's possible to, to avoid rotation. I'll do it on a small space to start with. Because it's, you know, even the idea of no digging was radical once. Yeah. Uh, what was I thinking about? It would be if you could grow, like, because I find, like, the way Mike has our garden set up, like, certain beds just seem... You know, like I like to put the tomatoes in the deep beds because then the roots can go way down low. And then also like tomatoes are like an above ground, something I like that's like, you know, at my height when I'm harvesting it. It's like one of those things where it's like broccoli can be in the ground because it's going to grow up tall and like you're not really bending over as much. So like I feel like we have different beds that are like just fit for certain crops. And if you didn't have to rotate them, it would make life easier. Yeah, I think it's to do with getting uh, the soil biota right. But I don't yeah, know enough. I do. Yeah. I, yeah, it does. It totally does. So that's why I'm yeah. just saying if like you could figure that yeah. out. Yeah, because this was talking about something about like the brassicas use up certain nutrients. And if you tried to grow something else there where the brassicas were there, it's not going to work because and those, and brassicas are like broccoli and cauliflower, right? Yeah. And something about the, the nutrients that they took out of the soil, you wanted to replace them with something else. And like, isn't that why like like, I don't know, I just keep picturing Tara Keaton from the Rodale Institute talking about her first hemp crop. And like, because they rotated the hemp in, the soybeans that they grew where the hemp had been 
um they had like a, a huge like problem with like too much rain and the soybeans mm-hmm. that were where the hemp was they got a crop that they were able to take to market whereas the soybeans where they didn't have a hemp cover crop they weren't they weren't able to harvest enough to make it profitable hemp's got such deep roots open up the soil yeah, yeah. it's i'm not saying crop rotation's a bad thing i'm just saying i wonder if it's worth if it's necessary and it may well be I'm, you know quite happy to have that as an outcome too but yeah uh, like I was saying, John Seymour's got a lot of the um, the old traditional rotations in there, which are pretty straightforward. Cool. Yeah. Well, anything else you want to share with us today, John? No, I don't think so, Jackie. Um, just remember, we're kicking off the Academy on uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday week. And if anyone's interested and want to get, get a bit of a head start, they can go to worldorganicnews.com and download the free ebook on how to no-dig garden. Cool. <laughs> well, it was fun catching up with you again, John. That's what I love about this show is just meeting different friends and talking to different people and learning new things. And I think you dropped a ton of golden seeds today. I'm sure listeners are going to be like, wow, I didn't know that. And learning all sorts of things. I hope so. Oh, and thank you for the birthday card. Oh, you're welcome. That's been a fun project. <laughs> I love yeah, sending things to the post office. I was surprised. Hey. You were? Because I said yeah. it on a note. Like, you're the second person that said that. Yeah, no, I'd completely forgotten that I'd filled that in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was so, a nice surprise. It was a nice surprise. Yeah, I love, I used to always be big on sending birthday cards, and then I kind of got out of it for years. Like, I didn't even send them, like, my nieces or my family, like, really got out of it. And then lately, I've been getting back into it. And so, I always wanted to send a card to my guests to say thank you when I started my podcast and I just never did. And so this year I was like, you know what, if I spread it out over a year, um, it won't be that hard to send a birthday card to everybody instead of like a thank you card. Because usually, I mean, especially when I first started out and I was doing three shows a week, yeah. that would have been a lot, but this will be, I don't know. Anyway, more yeah, I like to write. I'm a, I'm a writer for sure. And it just kind of like, I couldn't deal with Facebook or social media during the election. Like I pretty much yeah. was very little time on social media from August till last week. <laughs> or two well, I, cleared it, I cleared out my friends list. Yeah, I just, it was. I was just surprised hard. at the reactions of some people. Oh, I don't need you on the list. Bye. Blocked. Uh, and then the, another hard one for me was all the teachers. Like I'm in a lot of teacher Facebook groups and seeing so many teachers so terrified to go back to the classroom and feeling like their administration wasn't taking things seriously. And teachers that were like, I'm pregnant. I'm the main source of insurance. I have a child who's sick and we can't lose our insurance. You know, yeah. so many yeah. teachers connected to insurance that were like, if I had known, you know, like, you know, they sign their contracts or teachers having babies in November and December. And this year they're like, I'm pregnant. I cannot drop my insurance right now. And just, yeah, Yeah. my um, daughter had our, our first grandchild back in uh, August. I remember you writing me about that. Yeah. I get to see him in December. Cool. Are you coming here or they're going there? No, it's up in uh, New South Wales. Up on the mainland. So, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, because cool. we've had the, the borders shut. We've had the borders shut, so. But it's better to have people alive. 
Yeah, and if we could lower the curve, we could probably all be opening our borders. Like, that's just to me. Like, I just feel like the economic loss in the United States, like if we would have spent our summer focusing on kids getting back to school in September, I I just know how many kids are, like when you're a teacher and you're in there every single day and you're trying, you're pushing your hardest to get kids and the kids are going to school half time or, you know, every other day and just there's so much education being lost and teachers trying to, you know yeah. do the virtual thing part-time i i've been in touch with quite a few kids and i'm just like this is not working the and next couple of years a little bit catch up yeah and it's just it's not fair to that generation and they should be you know we could what kills me is we could be back in school you know they I feel like we get these news reports that other people don't get. And, and even during the pre-election, I was just, I like fight with my mom. I'm like, if Joe Biden doesn't say we need to lower community spread, we need to lower community spread. We don't need to wear, you know, we're going to wear masks. But I, th- I almost like was worried he was going to lose the election because he kept talking about, well, my plan is going to be, you know, we're going to have a universal national mask. What we need more than anything else is lowering community spread and getting the kids, I think, into school. I mean, of course, I'm a teacher, but but parents, like, they say the other thing is, like, you know, the number of kids being reported as being abused this year is dropped, like, drastically. And that's because who does most of the reporting? Teachers, because who sees kids? Who notices those things? And it's just so scary how many kids are home in houses. Very sad, Jackie. Anyway. And domestic violence is skyrocketed as well. Yeah, and then the kids are home in these situations. Anyway, John, thank you so much. You have a wonderful day. You too, Jackie. You have a good night's sleep. Okay. (laughs) Take care. See ya. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis Um, It starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis, um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for mother earth. Do you know someone who would benefit from the organic gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it. If you'd share the organic gardener podcast with a friend, thanks again for listening. And remember grow local.